I'm Pablo Morales Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancivo. <laughs> together we are Robots, Robots versus, versus Taxes Texas. on Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Let's talk about the week. Okay. Uh, you ready to do this deep dive? Deep dive into swampy waters. Yeah, let's let's get into this toilet bowl of a of a government. Um, <laughs> Steve King, a a racist who has you know reinforced himself several times over. This past week says that rape and incest are are fine are normal um he says he said like um, we all wouldn't be here if it wasn't for rape yeah and, and i'm paraphrasing that this country was was built from incest and rape uh which is just you know just the the most historical uh piece of garbage that i've ever heard like he's he's trying to justify rape and incest in order to push through a bill that is pro-life uh and uh you know he was met with the typical blowback from you know not only democrats but across the aisle with republicans as well mm-hmm. and it hasn't gone very good for him but he's staying the course he's just like yeah that's that's what i said and uh and that's my story and i'm sticking to it when when are they going to kick him out? Like, seriously. Iowa refuses to let that asshole go. Oh. Uh, and. This is what the Republican Party is like yeah, from now on. It, this it, is. It, they will always <laughs> like that moment when uh, Trump was having his rally and the crowd started chanter, chanting, uh, uh, send them back. I thought to myself and I posted wherever I could about it. Um, I was like, this is what the Republican Party will be known for going forward. You will not be able to get rid of this, you know, even even if you tried, which you won't. No, you're you're the party of racism. He also refuses to condemn uh, at one of his rallies. They were he was just uh, this. And this was like a few weeks or like a month back where uh, at one of his rallies, he was like, "What are we gonna do about these immigrants?" And somebody shouted, "Shoot them!" And he was just like, "We is like only in the panhandle. Only, only in, in the, the pan- panhandle can, can, we, can we get away with you know saying that." It's just like, "Oh, okay." And then shortly thereafter, two mass shootings back to back within thirteen hours of each other. It's like targeting Mexicans. Yeah. It's like, and people and he's and and people still want to try to make excuses for him. It's like this is. It's it's a really disgusting time. Like mob mentality is certainly taken over um, Republicans and and that end of the spectrum. Neoconservatives are just there are, I, and I I almost still want to lump them all together. I mean, like sure, the Republican brand is tarnished beyond repair for sure. Um, but I'm pretty certain that there is a population of, and I feel like we discussed this like a few shows ago, mm-hmm. uh, where it, it can't be all of them. Yeah, I do honestly feel like the tide is turning. Like it's too much. It's too scummy. It's too just dirty and. Uh, I honestly get the feeling that come 2020, there will be a groundswell and uh, all these people 
And I almost want to say Mitch McConnell will lose their place in politics. I sincerely, sincerely hope so. Um, in regard to the groundswell, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, there are people who are on the more moderate side, on the Republican side, who are just probably really fed up. I mean, economic anxiety aside, um, they're just like, it's too much. There's obviously a correlation between his rhetoric and the increasing violence and the spike in hate groups uh, that have appeared since his election. Um, and we need to do something to uh, change the trajectory. Uh, the problem I have is, is that there's still enough of his base that's so dedicated to him that they won't they won't be politically relevant but i do think they will be a um a fuel source for the ugliness and the hatred that's in this country i mean how many times in the past three weeks have we seen video on social media of just people using racial epithets to people of color, you know, and being recorded. There was that one lady, I forget where she was from, Neberhoma, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, she was just like, yeah, I call that lady the N-word and I call her the N-word again. Yeah. You know? And that went viral. And I couldn't help but remark that I was like, God, look at the balls on this fucking lady. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But that's the wrong phrase to use. Like, uh, because that suggests that it has some kind of bravery to yeah. it. It's unfortunate that kind of, that kind of rhetoric seems to get so much play nowadays because of Trump and because of his ilk, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I also wanted to talk to you about like uh, now. Now that we're kind of talking about this, I wanted to talk to you about um, like let's think about like the next steps. Let's think about. Let's say Warren or Sanders wins, mm -hmm. or in some cases like Harris, they win, mm -hmm. uh, and our country starts to change into a more progressive direction. Do you think that there? How? Let me phrase this another way. How long do you think will be the gradual change back into some form of stability? Do you think it'll take four years for us to like, for all these hate groups to sort of like get, not only get their um, their social media presence like slowly dwindle away? Uh, am I being too optimistic in thinking that? I, I I'm just I'm just saying like, how long do you think it's gonna take to repair this? Because this is a it's a fuck job. I don't. Right. I don't think it's a matter of repair. I think that the, w the well that these hate groups sprung from, um, has always been there before Trump and will be there after. Uh, just because we don't, we don't put enough consequences in place for hate groups to make it, uh, just to make it too costly in order to form and be a hate group. Uh, the only thing that Trump has done is, um. He became he's literally become a rallying point by by which hate groups can point and say, look, it's one of us up there and they feel braver. If anything, they'll just go underground, but they'll always be there until we start putting laws in place that make it that put some serious uh, consequences for speaking hate, for 
encouraging it. I mean, like, yeah, we all want to hang on to the First Amendment and, and have freedom of speech. But then there's a point where just being a hate group is literally the equivalent of calling fire in the theater when there isn't any. Like, you're not allowed to do that. I think we'll get back to, um, you know, when either uh, Sanders or Warren or even a Harris is elected, we'll get back to some semblance of what we had before where it seems like uh, there are more adults at the table. But I think, like, on the ground, uh, from person to person, this uh, feeling of separation is not going to go away because social media has now created this space where we highlight what's going on in the day-to-day and individual uh, interactions between somebody using racial epithets or uh, police brutality being highlighted more. I mean, before Trump, um, highlighting police brutality was like on the uptick. Like you couldn't like a, a, almost a single day couldn't pass without you seeing something horrible happening. And then once Trump and his bullshit started dominating the news cycle, that sort of like overcame it a, a little bit. But now uh, the police brutality aspect is starting to make a comeback because in some sense it's tied to his rhetoric. It's, it's always, it's always uh, people of color being brutalized and marginalized. And that's part of his agenda. Did you see that like um, uh, like a f- uh, about a week ago, uh, Sean King posted a I think it was a, a clip of a or a still picture of a man, a black man being walked through town by cops on horseback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which. And they had him and they had him like they had a rope tied to him. Yeah. They were yeah. tethered. To, that's the kind of bullshit that I'm. Maybe I'm being too idealistic in thinking that maybe it'll it'll start to s- not subside, but it'll start to dwindle, right? Hmm. Um, but is that an optimistic viewpoint that I'm that I'm espousing right now, where I'm just like you know talking about how you know I'm not saying it's going to change overnight. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like how long do you think it's going to take before things are gonna kind of change into something where we can look at the united states and start to recognize some semblance of a home (laughs) some semblance (laughs) of a home right right Mm. (laughs) because right now it doesn't it doesn't feel like especially for people of color it doesn't feel like home it feels like something we put up with on a daily basis yeah it feels like fucking bills except these bills can kill you. Yeah. Well, I, some 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 of these other bills, like actual bills, actually feel like they could kill us yeah. too. But, <laughs> woo, man, that fucking internet. But anyway, um, right. I think I think uh, once the, we have a change in administration, um, things will start to change in terms of action and changing of policy being put in place. There'll be a resistance to that from deplorables and from the inertia that that sort of thinking has basically buttressed this country up until this point. But I feel like within the last four years, um, there's been a shift to start recognizing the injustices in this country, especially since news can get out so much quicker, since video evidence can get out so much quicker. And we see that there are real systemic problems. Um, 
and we started to address them toward the end of the Obama presidency. And then we seem to have taken like four steps back during the Trump uh, administration. I, I always go back to the moment before Trump where the Republican Party was actually starting to consider becoming more progressive. There was a fraction of a second mm. where the Republican Party were just like, you know what, we need to change our politics to appeal to young people. It's just like, we should go easy on the gays. <laughs> uh, you know, we should go easy on the queer community. That was what they were... That's what I felt their message was starting to lean towards. Mm -hmm. And then Trump came along just completely. All that stuff, it felt like, you know, ghosts being sucked into the, the ghost trap, yeah. you know, in, in Ghostbusters, you know. Um, so I'm wondering if that fraction of a moment will ever come back or was it just like a candle that just got snuffed out? I think that the Republicans will do will do what they have, whatever they need to do after the Trump administration to to pretend like they were just taken hostage because most of them are just sycophants for him. And after he's gone, um, there's there are going to be those Republicans, most Republicans who are going to be tied to his legacy and they're going to try as hard as they can to deny it. You know, there are, few, there are like a handful of Republicans who've actually stood up to him, but they don't get much press because most of them just kiss his ass trying to proceed, trying to proceed, um, sorry, uh, push their careers forward politically or just avoid being under, you know, the president's wrath or whatever the hell. But it's also not just him because it's not just the United States where I feel like Trump's impact was even felt because it was also... Um, you know, in Great Britain with Boris Johnson, in Brazil with Jair Bolsonaro, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, he inspires bad behavior. And people respond to strongman politics because of that. Because they're just like, we need to have strongman just like Trump. So they in Brazil, they elect Bolsonaro because he'll be like, I'm going to get all the drug addicts off the streets, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I'm going to build a wall around the favelas, <laughs> despite the fact that like he's not addressing the actual problem, which is poverty. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and colorism. Uh, it's always rooted in racism, uh, wh whatever way you, you, you know, you swing it. Um, and in the UK, you know, uh, with Boris Johnson, I mean, like, look at the guy. Oh. He looks just like a British Trump, but like, I feel like this joke has already been made. Uh, he was cloned, but it was bad. It was a clone yeah. that was like unfinished. Yeah, it's it's comical. <laughs> yeah, and in, and in, in like we just saw this recently with Israel, right? Mm -hmm. Let's see that segue. Yeah, um, very nice, very nice. <laughs> You're a pro, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm calling attention to it because I'm such a pig in shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. With Israel, they just denied uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib entry um, because they were going to go take a trip to like a goodwill trip to Israel. Mm -hmm. In terms of Ilhan Omar's case with Rashida Tlaib, I think she was going to go visit her her grandmother. Her grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, and then Israel was like, no, no, I don't I don't think so. You hurt our feelings with um, 
uh, with being Muslim. Yeah. And for a second, they they were going to allow her. They said, you can, but you just can't. You just can't speak on what you with, see with with Talib, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just like you can't speak on on what you see. And then she was like, "You know what? No, <laughs> fuck you guys. You know, I'm gonna talk to my grandma over the phone, and you know, check up on her and make sure she's okay. But fuck you guys. Yeah. Um, it's in, that's it's so brave to do, by the way. Yeah. Jeez, like, because I know that she wants to go and check on her grandmother and see that she's okay. That really sucks, you know. And, and it's 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 Trump's. I think it's Trump's influence because Trump, you know, and his and the media arm of the Republican Party, Fox News. I mean, they they poison the well, and they're just like because they're Muslim politicians, right? Mm-hmm. They must be saying shit about Israel. How dare they even speak Israel's name? You know, mm-hmm. um, and. Netanyahu hears that and you know he's another piece of shit and he's just oh like Lord. oh oh well you know fuck them you know uh fuck the Palestinians and fuck these two you know congress people oh yes it's another part of Trump's legacy and his footprint on the world that he can with just uh with just like mentioning or retweeting racist racism or or talking about how um um, you know, these four women, they should go back to their countries and mm-hmm. because they hate America, they hate Israel, you know, um, you know, the Israeli government are just like, you know what? Yeah, they, they do hate us. They must hate us if mm-hmm. he's saying it. Yep. Um, and I mean, this is I wanted to make this a new like segment where it was just called <laughs> profiles <laughs> in pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so petty. It's so petty. It's so clicky. Mm-hmm. It's like high school clicky. It, it makes you feel like nobody's really in charge. It's just it's just about, okay, uh, I'm, I'm in this job and I'm just going to help my buddies. And if you're not on my side, then you're a poopy head. You know, it's like <laughs> it's it's it really feels like nobody's in charge. No. There are some people in charge because and, and they're the wrong kinds of people because uh-huh. um if you step out of line or if you start to expose um, the upper crust, you know, the higher ups Mm -hmm. for who they are, um, then something happens to you in a jail cell and nobody's around to see it. Smooth. (laughs) I like that. Very nice. Dude, you are, you're just on it. I'm just like, "Mm, uh, rat-a-tat, you know, today's issues. Must be that juice from earlier, man. It is, it is the juice. (laughs) Just <laughs> Say, I put crack in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're saying that the investigation will go on. Um, and they did a... An autopsy. An autopsy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, a quarantine? That's <laughs> a, the word that popped in my head. A corp- they should do a quarantine. Cause a, cor- the fucking, a, a corpse check. Yeah, a corpse check where... You know, they verify that he did commit suicide, but how much of that is real? And I feel like a lot of, you know, social media circles and people in po- involved in not only politics, but in conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. we're all just like, what's really going on here? Yeah. Well, it, it's just, it's kind of convenient. Oh, that dude, that dude was so done in by like higher powers, either. Either by giving him enough, the 
proverbial enough rope to hang himself. Um, and I guess somewhat literally as well. Or um, somebody just straight up like did him in. But whatever, that dude was not going to make it to trial. He was not going to be able to speak to any investigator and start dropping names and information about people of influence who have been, who, who they have said uh, there's evidence of in just what they've collected uh, from his mansion uh, in New York. Yeah. Um, it's like a story out of Sin City. Yeah. Where like, um, where like, you know, um, Mickey Rourke knows all about like the, that farm where Elijah Wood's been eating ladies and it's related to like the Pope figure. Wow. I haven't, uh, I feel like I'm the first person to reference Sin City in like yeah. t- 10, 15 years. Yeah. So it had its moment of like, oh, how visually stunning. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I made a part two. Who cares? Nobody. Literally no. nobody. Nobody. But yes, Epstein. His death. Suspicious. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I could have set a timer to that. <laughs> I was just like, that dude's dead. And then he was. Yeah. So. Yep. But let's let's hope that the investigators do continue their investigation on him and we'll see what what comes up, you know, what pokes its head out from the water. Yeah, whoever was involved needs to needs to go to jail forever. Yes. Um one of his last interviews um before this whole thing blew up, he actually said he actually tried to justify his uh, interest in uh, young girls by comparing it to um, sexual orientation, in particular gay people. He's just like, you know. Th- oh, he's one of those assholes that tries to put the P in the LGBTQ community? Yeah. Oh, holy pedophilia. shit. Holy you know shit. That there's, yeah. You know, there's like a, 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 I would say a troll movement to do that. Where uh, wow. online bigots are just trying to get that, are trying to do that, squeeze that, you know, through the ranks. Oh, that's um, never going to work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, trolls are pieces of shit and they know no shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for the anonymity of the internet, like, there would just be record kicks to the face on a daily basis. I It would definitely deter people from being so brave online. Yeah. Uh, that they feel like they can get away with saying anything. And then all of a sudden, ding dong. Oh, who could that be? Oh, it's a kick to the face. <laughs> I think we've stumbled upon a new business model. Yes. You <laughs> can just hire kicks to the face. Hire kicks to the face. Yeah. Oh my God! Donnie Yen will be employed for the next twenty years. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and with that, I'm Pablo Morales Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and together we are Robots, Robots versus, versus taxes, taxes on Radio Free Brooklyn. Goddamn a rights. <laughs> Let's switch it over. Finally, oh, thank God. Oh man, this world is painful. It is so. It's like crawling through glass. It makes me feel far from home, one oh. might say. <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> and now we'll talk about Shazam again. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so you finally went and saw it. Yeah, I finally saw it. I finally saw Good it. Good for you. Thanks. 
What do you think? It's good. <laughs> How do I put this? Right. I think something happened to me after Endgame. <laughs> I think a part of me burned out. <laughs> And I think oh, the right well, side of your face is looking a little singed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well, it's because I fell asleep with the with I took a nap with the the, the blinds open. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking science and its ultraviolet lights. <laughs> so that's a joke from Matt Cameron. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I thought. Uh, two things went through my mind. Um, a, I'll never come back to Sheep's Head Bay movie theater ever again. Because <laughs> that movie theater sucks. And it's not so much the theater, it's the people. Yep. They, I had nonstop conversation throughout the entire movie. Because when is it, you know, what's a better time to have a conversation than in a dark theater where everybody's trying to enjoy a movie. Yeah, exactly. I got uh, a really cool kick-ass recipe for making like rice but like with egg in it. Oh. Uh, that conversation took about 20 minutes. Uh, and I got a lot of um, people screaming at the screen, don't go in there. Don't go in there. This bitch, you know. And I was like, which stop, which stopped. No one's going to talk to you at this. Uh, <laughs> like Tom Holland isn't just going to come magically down from the screen and just be like, thanks. I would have never have known not to go in there. Hadn't uh, it been for thou. Uh, so um, people, people literally go to movie theaters to be obnoxious. I'm convinced like you can't. It's, it's such an old trope now of people yelling at the screen Um for things not to move forward. Oh, don't go in there. So it's just like people know at this point it's a dick thing to do. And people do it anyway. Elmo Draft House now has a thing called Shout at the Screen. Um, <laughs> and and I'm just like, that's how common this trope is. Uh, dude, that dude, that I had the worst experience watching Spider-Man Far From Home. That being said, I thought the movie was okay. Really? Yeah, I just, just okay? I thought it was just okay, and I am, I'm going to tell you why. That th- this is part B, right? Um, I saw Endgame, and I saw The Boys before I saw Spider Man. Okay. Endgame, I feel like it robbed me of any want to go to the movies <laughs> because John Wick 3 came out I was really jazzed about seeing that before Endgame then it came out and I was just like meh I think I'll stay home <laughs> which like- which sucks because I actually I, I caught a, a bootleg of it and uh, it's a pretty good movie yes it is it's action-packed I, I love there were scenes where I was just like I should have seen this in the theater yeah we should have sure. seen this in the theater for sure um, and then I saw the boys and let me tell you that is such a an interesting deconstruction of superheroes that mm-hmm. it made me really cynical about what it means to be a superhero for sure and I feel like this is the kind of thing that Alan Moore was trying to aim with with Watchmen yeah 
So yeah, that's so true. Because so it feels like a very modern take on Watchmen. Mm. Yeah, but but instead of you know, um, uh, because I feel like Rorschach was uh, in Watchmen was kind of romanticized, despite the fact that he's like a fascist. Yeah. Um. It, the, the boys doesn't have that romantic aspect to it. Sure, there are like parts of it that are kind of cool, but superheroes are just at a human assholes. Yep, yep. With and, with godlike abilities to yeah. to destroy swaths of people. And the whole elemental story to Spider-Man: Far From Home. By the way, this Spider-Man: Far From Home talk is full of spoilers 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 that whole thing with the elementals and that they were all like a thing that was rigged from the beginning with mysterio um it was it was all right i thought it was okay i like jake gyllenhaal's performance sabrina did not like jake gyllenhaal's performance she was like he's annoying and i was (laughs) kind of taken aback because i really liked mysterio what part did she find annoying about uh, him she found the part like when he started like when he when he it's revealed that he's just wearing like a a leotard mm-hmm. and a cgi leotard which was like very nice touch by the way yeah yeah for them to like reference like the, the special effects like, aspect this is what we actually wear <laughs> when we do these films isn't it cool it's black it's white and it looks stupid it looks like pajamas. It's like we saved so much. <laughs> I'm not having to build a whole separate CGI thing, yeah. you know. So. And I love that little, like, the clear bubble helmet that he wears yeah. on his head. Yeah. Um, uh, like, when she, when he comes out of it, like, the first time where it's just like, you know, everyone in the theater is like, what? And mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. It's Mysterio. So I saw that coming a mile away. <laughs> This is, ah, that's another thing about this movie, right? Like this movie is made for general audiences. Sure. This is the first movie where I felt like, and maybe that's very naive of me to say, mm-hmm. it's the first movie that I actually felt like it was made not for, it was made for everyone <laughs> and not just comic book nerds. Well, you gotta, you gotta remember um, Sony is, is the big, pusher behind the uh, solo Spider-Man films because they're doing their best to build up the audience that will follow them as they expand um, their Spider-Verse, especially like with Venom and eventually having them cross over and stuff like that. So they don't want to go too hardcore because they have to make up for all the horseshit that they've done in the past. So they're like, we can't mess this up. So they, they needed a, a certain amount of broad appeal, but they did throw in a few you know, Easter eggs and fan service for, for those of us who are comics of the fans. They uh, did. Comics of the fans. Fans of the of comics. comics. <laughs> Today's opposite day on RVT. Or should we say TVR? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that uh, because uh, I saw everyone in the theater was just like, and they all vocalized it very clearly. They didn't think Mysterio was a bad guy. And I'm the only one sitting there like, yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, I know he's... I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it did. And I was just like, oh. And um, 
I honestly feel like the boys ruined this for me because I felt like every move that Tom, like Spider-Man did, I was just like a human being wouldn't do that. Like a human being with like, no, everybody's going to notice him jump up and deflect a fucking drone from space. No, they, everybody was looking at the back of the bus. Oh uh, yeah. Well, so they wouldn't go. notice out of the corner of their eyes. This dude jumps six feet tall and defies the laws of physics. Cause he should have like, as soon as he jumped up, the bus would have kept going. So he wouldn't have immediately fallen right back down into the, anyway. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know if there was that much wind resistance that he would just, you know, ah! sort of get, yeah, you know, we need to have Matt back on the show. To, right, to we sort do, of we break, do. Break that down, <laughs> you know, and you know, he's a Spider-Man. He so. is a Spider-Man. Um, the shit. thing is, he should, he should, he should have killed uh, Flash Thompson when he accidentally like knocked his knocked him in the head trying to get those glasses back that like, was head, the funniest part his head of, should have shattered yeah <laughs> his just like this whole side of his face would have been like swollen and paralyzed <laughs> you know <laughs> they have to that like, was the funniest part of the movie they I have thought. to like start drilling holes in his skull to relieve the pressure on his brain because yeah. he's like the impact from his fist he could Tom Holland, not Tom Holland, Peter Parker can stop a bus. Yes. You know, with his bare hands. So, like, a little human head would have been nothing. Yeah. He he managed to kick Thanos in the face. Yes. And, like, Thanos just whips his head back. Like, mm -hmm. he was seriously hit. But, you know, there were parts of that movie that, like, I didn't like the whole... Uh, something about Spider-Man traveling to Europe... And having like a European vacation, it didn't it didn't sit well with me. I'm like Spider Man is a city superhero. He should be he should be in New York, fighting city stuff. See, maybe he's trying to maybe he's trying to expand himself. You can't just live your whole life on the block, you know. True. Uh, that's the thing is that it now I feel like with this second movie that. I could feel the weight of the Marvel universe riding on other move on other superhero on other superheroes' shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like he's definitely now he he's saddled with the story of like everyone was blipped, you know. And mm -hmm. I felt like that made for me it made the story drag. Um, trying to like re-explain that, and then um, him wearing the the metal suit. And it just didn't feel to me. It didn't feel like a Spider-Man movie up until he actually started fighting the drones. Mm. That's when I was just like, "Oh, this is Mysterio and Spider-Man fighting." Yeah, yeah. Um, which was like, I thought that those, those scenes with like him like go, dipping through all the, you know the, you know that Big Ben and and going through the bridge, London Bridge, and yeah. blah blah blah. Um, I thought that was really cool. Super cool. Yeah. And I thought, I actually thought Mysterio was very imposing. Like, especially when he faced off Spider-Man. He hit Spider-Man with a bullet train. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the whole, like, fucking with his reality and, yeah. and making him see things was so brilliantly comic booky and really brought Mysterio to life in a way that, I don't think any of the Sam Raimi films could have ever possibly done. No, like it was. It did feel like a. Uh, it actually felt to me like a Sam Raimi throwback a little bit. 
Oh, maybe in some yeah. ways. Maybe in some ways, and but it was especially with Tony Stark rising from the grave and doing that Marvel Zombies. Uh, yeah, that was reference. that was intense. Yeah, I was just like, oh, the body's not even cold yet, and uh, it's probably never going to be cold because his corpse is riddled with gamma rays, <laughs> and so technically, like you take Geiger meter to it's going to be hot Holy forever, shit. thousands of years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but Tony Stark has a half life now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Riddled with radioactive decay. Uh, but we'll see him again somehow. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, we will. But um, they're talking about Riri Williams. Tom Holland really wants Riri Williams to show up. Yeah, I hope so. I hope in some shape or form. I think, I think such a character would be brilliant. I'm wondering if Marvel will go down the path of, like altering her origin story and giving the whole Ironheart thing to um, um, to Shuri to Shuri yeah I actually don't want that I if they do do that I really hope that they follow a and hear me out they follow a coming to America kind of story all right you know what? Settle down. Well, really? <laughs> Coming to America. Yeah. Where she comes to America, like, makes her own suit, tries to blend in with, like, people, and then she shows her the fact she's, like, a fish out of water with the royalty and everything. Well, she is she is spearheading, like, the, I think, the science and outreach division of, like, you know, at the end of Black Panther. Like, she's yeah. she's coming over and doing stuff so that's possible do you think that like it you think that that story like if it followed that storyline it'd be like kind of silly uh think about it <laughs> iron man comes to him <laughs> no all right I, I i no it could work i don't know if they okay. get the if they, if they get the right director but i i i think the marvel universe definitely has more than enough room for one young black girl <laughs> yeah you know on on the big screen so i'm hoping that they will cast somebody brilliant and young who can fully uh encompass the 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 story of riri williams because she's a very nuanced character she's very deep i i'm right i'm reading her books right now mm-hmm. and i think it's there's this scene that i saw in the in the comic that i really want to see where she goes into a store as it's being robbed like a, a, a bodega mm-hmm. as it's being robbed. It's very Spider-Man slash Batman kind of scenario where there's a robbery and she's there. Um, and you know, the guy gets hit in the shoulder with a repulsor blast and she's putting on her armor. Oh shit. And, um, <laughs> and like, because it, her armor is stored in like a wristwatch. Oh, and then she comes outside and like they're like gangbangers shooting at her and she's having this uh, momentary lapse of like like she's remembering her f- best friend who was gunned down by gang violence. Mm. And I was just like, this is so perfect for a movie. Yeah. And I was just like, that's the kind of Iron Man that I want to see, like an iron uh, uh, an armor clad character that I want to see mm. uh, that I feel like uh, that I always feel like Tony Stark uh, for as much as I love the character I feel like his character can only stretch so much before it devolves into like I'm just a American James Bond yeah <laughs> I'm just a playboy at heart and look at all the money you uh-huh. know for sure. where um you know 
with her, I feel like always with characters of color, there's so much more that you can explore that, uh, that I feel like you can't, you can't do with Caucasian characters anymore. I yeah. feel like the tide is changing mm-hmm. and I feel like there's so much more interesting stories that you can do with colors of character. Uh, b- characters of color. Oh, it's opposite. It's, still, ooh, it's, it's opposite day <laughs> on TVR. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been ranting. No, no, time. not at all. I'm, I'm just I'm super excited for all the possibilities uh, that are coming in the future of the MCU. Um, I'm hoping that DC doesn't fall so far behind that they become utterly irrelevant. They've had a, a few good movies like that have at least gotten butts in seats. Yeah. And I'm hoping they use that momentum to build. Obviously, they're not going to build the same universe that Marvel has because they they invested, they got their own recipe going, and it's paid off for them. For DC to try to emulate that in the same exact way is probably not going to work because we've seen it before. But hopefully they can take their characters and bring stories to the screen that compel audiences and bring something fresh to the genre so that we don't get what James Cameron calls, you know, superhero fatigue. Yeah. And... That being said, I, uh, I, I've been joking about it for a long time. With Spider-Man Far From Home, that's what I felt. Mm. I, that's the first time I ever felt that, where I was just like, he's going to save the day. Yay. <laughs> you know, you know is, is, he, is he an Avenger? Is he not an Avenger? The best part of that movie were the last 10 minutes mm. where they show J. Jonah Jameson. Yo. Where, where they show Mysterio fucking telling everyone and their mother basically that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Yep. And I was just like, and I had the same reaction that Spider-Man did. I was like, holy shit, yeah. you know? Because <laughs> I'm just like, where do they go from there now, right? Because uh. isn't, um didn't, and they made uh, Mysterio stand in for Green Goblin because Green Goblin did that. Yep. Um, yep. And... Yeah, I, I I I love that they brought back what's his name, uh, J- J.K. Simmons in yep. the uh, in the, in the J. Jonah Jameson role. That was that was so great. Stroke of genius. Nobody else could play that character. Yeah, pretty he, much. He cemented himself <laughs> in the annals of history and pop culture as J. Jonah Jameson. Like that was that's a performance. And the fact that they sort of turned him into a bit of an Alex Jones type character <laughs> now. gave him an Alex Jones kind of look to his show. I was like, oh, man, this is perfect. This is this is what a modern day uh, JJ would be like. Yeah. Um, especially with his hatred of uh, Spider-Man. I thought that the the interaction between uh, MJ and and Spider-Man in that last post credit was super sweet well in the end credit slash post credit oh where, yeah, yeah, yeah you know they're swinging through the city and she's fucking traumatized yes and they land she's just like yeah i'm never and doing then, that yeah. again like oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's another thing i didn't like that she figured out who spider-man was really yeah i don't i didn't i was just like no, she was only 62 percent sure though that's true, but I don't know. There's something about her figuring it out, which kind of disrupts it. it I feel like it disrupts my 
my brain waves. So because what, women can't figure things out? No, no, no. It's it's the when people f- just figure out who a superhero is. Like with Batman, right? They figured out who he was. I mean, it's obvious. It's got to be Bruce Wayne. Because he's the only one that looks that looks like that. <laughs> and he's got billions of dollars at his disposal. I mean, Iron Man, you could believe that because he just came out and said it. He didn't want to wait till anybody figured it out. True. Because it's just like, oh, you know, Tony Stark and Iron Man are never in the same place at the same time. Fuck you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And he's a pompous billionaire. Yeah, right? exactly. You know? um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it's a it's a quirk of mine. But I don't like it when people figure out who the superheroes are in movies. I don't know. All right. Uh, what was I saying? Um, originally, we were talking about DC, and they got to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. But Marvel's just going to keep running circles around them. So. I guess so. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of momentum. And like I was saying before, DC has just got to come up with their own formula at this point and um, have success that way. They could. They certainly have enough source material to put out some um, some compelling stories and they can connect that universe um, in ways that, you know, maybe Marvel can't. Um, hopefully they get the right creative forces behind um, their properties and um, just put out good stuff so that the bar keeps getting raised on both sides. I want to ask you, though, um, in the end credits of uh, Far From Home, when Spider-Man swung through the revamped Avengers Tower, do you think it was the Baxter Building or do you think it was Oscorp now? I'm ho- I hope it's the Baxter Building. Yeah. Uh, I hope that, and this is weird for me to say, because I hate the Fantastic Four. I always have. I always will. But oh, I don't re- say you always will. My God. Oh wait. You know what? No, that's not true. Because I said that about Thor. Like when people were just like, "Oh my God, this Thor movie's great." I'm just like, I fucking hate Thor. <laughs> no, I fucking love Thor. So I'm so thirsty. Oh, for Pete's <laughs> sake. Oh. But. They'll, I, they'll do, <laughs> Jesus Christ, they'll do the Fantastic Four right, and I think that they will be the gateway to bringing mutants into the uh, into the MCU somehow. Secret Wars, it's got to be Secret Wars, yeah. and they're the key to Secret Wars. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's it's the Baxter Building. Some we're gonna get some hint of the Fantastic Four some at some point in Phase Four, like. They're just going to drop little hints uh, here and there. Um, how they'll go about it, who knows? It's Marvel. I mean, uh, the next Doctor Strange movie is called The Madness in the Multiverse. And, yeah. oh. and that's going to be... They're saying that it's going to be straight-up horror. Yeah. And I, that piqued my interest because they were talking about that being the case with the New Mutants movie, which is probably never going to see the light of day. Nope. Because nope. Marvel, they they showed a cut of it to the Marvel executives, and they were just like, "Yeah, we have no interest in this kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe a limited release." And I'm just like, "Wow, oh man, that's brutal." Uh, so, so I'm interested in that because, um, yeah, a Marvel, uh, a horror based Marvel show, a Marvel movie. They're they're so big now that they, 
and so successful that instead of just sticking with the superhero genre, they're expanding into other genres with superhero characters. Like that's that's going to be so interesting, and I think we'll keep um, the genre fresh in certain ways. It's like when the Captain America movies suddenly became like these action spy slash thriller kind of movies as opposed to like, oh, this is, you know, the original uh, Avenger and stuff like that. It's like, you know, Captain America comics weren't exactly flying off the shelves. No, they were not. But the way they interpreted in the movies, I was just like, that's a good fucking movie. Yeah, right. I never thought I'd get excited for a Captain America. After the first one, I was like, and eh, this is a thing, yeah. right? And then the second one came out, and I was just like, fuck, yeah, Captain America. That is America's <laughs> <Yeah>. ass. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in what's going to happen with uh, the new Doctor Strange horror movie, um, especially since, like, I feel like now is a good time for horror. Mm. So, um, you know, it's it's coming back in a big way oh yeah i mean definitely not scary stories to tell in the dark uh big because <laughs> i saw that movie and uh it was meh it, was, it meh. was meh you weren't scared at all no um i was scared at the likeness of one of the main characters because there's a latino character in the ca- in the movie mm-hmm. and he uh he looks like my dad young oh shit <laughs> which was weird because uh, you know i've seen a lot of you know my you know i've i've seen a lot of my dad's young photos back when he because he was like a, in a, a musician in a band and mm-hmm. he had his haircut in a certain way and he looked and it's set in the 60s scary stories to tell in the dark and when i saw this character i was just like oh my god my dad's in trouble (laughs) 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 it was it was uh, it was all right there's nothing to write home about i mean like i feel like 99.9 percent of the movie the movies that came out this summer was like meh Mm, i think you're right i think you're right hopefully next summer will be better and i'm hoping this winter will be better um with the various movies that are coming out, namely uh, episode nine, because they got a lot of shit to tie up in that movie. Uh, I'm I'm excited for episode nine. Episode nine has to be the end game of the Star Wars universe. Yes, it definitely does. Uh, and what else is is coming that I'm really excited about? Uh, I I can't say much. I feel like no, nothing's coming to my mind uh, except for like things that I, I want to recommend for now. Mm, mm. Like I was telling you before, like, uh, cause this is my way of wrapping up the show. Very nice. Um, I'm announcing all of my, <laughs> I'm this telegraphing th- all of my shit. This episode is like a tutorial on how to podcast. <laughs> and now we're going to do this. <laughs> we're here to educate <laughs> yeah. this is an anime called cannon busters i think is pretty damn cool terrible name for a pretty cool show <laughs> cannon busted cannon it's like uh one of those old uh Fox 5 TV shows where kids are superheroes, you know, like Big Bag Beetleborgs and stuff oh like that. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, I took it back, didn't oh I? Oh, my God. The 
Beetleborgs. <laughs> <laughs> Big bad Beetleborgs. What was the other one? VR Troopers, right? Oh, God. Yeah, that was one. That show, I remember the main guy, the lead character in that VR Troopers show had the most, like, manicured eyebrows I've ever seen <laughs> on a human being before. He looked like he was starting a George Michael uh, cover band. Uh <laughs> Oh my god! And they had a talking dog in that show too. Did but they it, really? Yeah, but oh, they really shit. went cheap on the effects for the talking dog, so oh. they just rewound him. The dog chewing on sh- it's obvious that the dog's chewing on like oh. fucking peanut butter. Anyway, oh my god! Why did you take me here? <laughs> I have no idea. Somebody, please, please pull us back into the present. <laughs> Get some pin particles because we went yes. we went too far back. <laughs> Like Neo, get me out, get me out, get me out. <laughs> We're, I'm excited to see The Matrix, man. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, guys, we're going to see uh, The Matrix. Uh, where, where is it? Uh, it's a, we're gonna see it in 42nd Street Ewok on the 19th. Yep. Yep. The 19th. Yeah. Right. I thought that. Wait, that's Monday. Is it Monday? Oh, I thought it was I? the 29th. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm not good at time. <laughs> so. And that's why you don't have that stone. Yes, that's right. I don't have that stone. <laughs> I have the power stone. There you go. Because I'm mad with power. <laughs> And uh, I think that that about wraps her up. Unless you want to recommend anything on the on the good old uh, you know TVs. No. 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 I'm just kidding, uh, <laughs> uh, folks. I damn uh, this won't be a very good recommendation. Um, so I'm just gonna skip it because I don't remember the title of the documentary. What was it called? Um, what was it, it was, about? It was highlighting uh, the. Um, a lot of the current popular animes that are on Netflix right now. It's called Enter the Anime. Enter the Anime. Thank yes. you. You see, that's why that's why yeah. you're here. We're buddies. <laughs> We're buddies. Enter the Anime. It's uh, they interview uh, certain studios and anime producers on their current properties, which happen to be very popular and available on Netflix, and they just go about their process and uh, the inspiration behind the stories, and it really. It really shows the life between, uh, behind such a vibrant genre. So if you have a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. Cool. Oh, I also want to recommend uh, Invader Zim Enter the Florpus. <laughs> that movie is awesome. I mean, I love that that character, that show, and like the creator. I loved his comics. Uh, this guy named Jonan Vasquez. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, and it, it it's it's a really it, it's really good. It's it's a really good throwback to like late nineties cartoons. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So uh yeah, that, that about wraps her up. So from both of us here, I'm Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are Robots vs. Taxes. Taxes on Radio Free Brooklyn. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the week. He's
Brothers and Pair Jordans well aware When they don't take notice but never care Flying out this rap, falling up believers by the inaugurated Very well orchestrated We all the authenticated Inspired to had a whole altar renovated Reveals our poverty penetrated A positive demonstration Demoitis from the first take Minds ventilation Secret sealed in the installation Yeah An instrumental freeze to frustration The paradise of war I live adjacent Agitated facing fears of a forgotten nation Fighting tears took time to run out of patience Yeah And ran with it and did it for grants, did it on songs for her long for fans, get it. Better fade away, a slave crew. Since grade school on my debut, I stayed true and paid dues when you pay to play. Who you disagree? Can't get with me when you listen. Peace fit with authenticity. You listen, you better learn your history. At a show clown, who go round collecting, pushing dough down with a flow sound so profound, like acts back in Motown. Tracks tours with packed floors, never whack bore. My stat jaws of a black more, and you just some actor. Every damn stage, this band played hands, sway few grands made. Chicks in the stand stage trying to get your man laid. Percy P. Eclectic, music by the step kid. 